one of the songs I was going to speak on and mention earlier, and I didn't mention, I thought about it now, is The Light by Common. I hate that song. It's not a slow jam. And it's I, not a slow jam. Okay, I've never liked that song. No, I love that song. I love that song, too. That not that the one at the end where he goes, DP die, is that it? Ticka-ta, ticka-ta, ticka-ticka-ticka, y'all tell you the rest when I see you. Peace. I'll never, ever listen to that song again. <laughs> you know, whenever I see your draft write-ups for the show, advertising the show, you often put TK, TK, TK in there. I always think of Common. I always think of that. <laughs> it's a placeholder. Right, it's a placeholder. You hearing ticky-ta, ticky-ta, ticky Yeah, no, I mean, I, I actually <laughs> thought that Common was a journalist. <laughs> Welcome to the B-Side. Scoop. Isaac. Jahan. Arthur. The Music Snobs. This is episode 24 of the Music Snobs Podcast. I'm your lead voice, Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. Valentine's Day is upon us, and as a result, we decided that we would do some topics. Do a show dedicated to our women. He said, upon us, like a storm just hit. (laughs) That's a Valentine's Day for some of us. If you don't have your flower game right, Right, it's like, it's upon us, like... Hurricane homegirl. It's a love show. We're doing a love show. B is for vulnerable. Is the current rise of emotional MCs an evolution or subversion of the traditional view of black masculinity's expressions of love? What's different about this? What's different about Drake, Vic Mensa, Chance the Rapper, Tyler, Terrace Martin, Childish Gambino? We've seen elements of this before. I mean, we've seen Juice Jones in 86 in the rain, Slick Rick in 88, A Teenage Love, LL, 87, I Need Love, Tribe Called Quest, Beneath Apple Bum. I mean, we've, we've seen this before. What's different about this? You know, I think, I think one of the, the differences that I see is that all those songs and artists you mentioned before, um, I think, you know, I think John was right when he named this segment Vias for Vulnerable because there's a vulnerability there that I didn't see before. There's a willingness to sound almost like a chump. You know, uh, I think hip hop has has been very um, uh, it's been hard on brothers who put themselves out there and, you know, appear to be vulnerable, who appear to put their feelings out there and don't necessarily mask it behind a very masculine, you know, veil of you know a veil of masculinity i'll say so i think now when i look at childish gambino and listen to the the album because the internet just came out a couple months ago there's a vulnerability that i hear that i didn't hear um in the 80s um you know ll's i need love there's a vulnerability in his voice his you know the vocal performance that he gave um, it was still controlled, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I never liked that song. I never liked it either. <laughs> I never no, liked that either. song. Me either. And I never, and I think even then, you know, I was a little kid then, but even then, it just felt too contrived to me. It was like he was like trying to, you know, make this love song and speak all soft to the girls and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it felt contrived. Switch that out and put in Around the Way Go, for example. 
Yeah, and so that sounded that sounded for real to me though. You know, yeah. around the way girl sounded legit. But to we me. don't have to go that far. We can stick with what he did back in the day and 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 go to you know I want you and um what's the other? Doing I can give you more. Right. See, to me, now, see that to me that's why I didn't like I need love because I need love and you all know me. Y'all are gonna probably dog me, especially Jahan, because you know hip hop needs to be hard. But it sounded contrived. It didn't sound authentic. I can give you more, and I want you from LL. Same time period, seem more authentic, seem more, more seem more who he, who he was, and maybe there, there, there's a small change about spitting game. You know what I'm saying? And if you, if you do it right in hip hop, you're spitting game. You're not necessarily like trying to you know massage, do well, you, no, you spitting game, but because around the way, girl, you really just. Well, he's telling he's telling the story of his hood, and it sounds. But I think the word that you use, I like, is authentic. And that's to me what separates or what's making this type of error occur now is the authenticity of it. When I hear uh, Childish Gambino, there's an authenticity there that's like, yo, this is this is real. You know, there's no, it's not contrived, it's not, it's just raw. This is his feelings and how he feels about this. This that's type of artist he is though. If you go back and listen to Camp, you talk about his whole, that's his whole life. He's 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 that. And it helps that he's a comedian because you know comedians are are raw. Raw, yeah, they are right, 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 right. But just to answer Arthur's question though, as far as like what's making this happen right now, I feel a high level of authenticity. See, I disagree. I'm on another side of it. I, everything I'm getting out for the most part, outside of Childish's camp, you know, for the most part, is in line with what LL was doing with I Can Give You Love. I mean, you know, um, not I Give You Love. I Need Love. I need love. It just, it, it sounds just, and I hate to say it because I'm, I'm, I'm pigeonholing myself into an argument, but it just sounds weak. It sounds, it doesn't sound sensitive to me. It doesn't sound emotive to me. It sounds weak. But even the authenticity gets uh, um, characterized as weak of somebody like Drake does it. I mean, you, you, you talked about I've said the, it before. I don't think Drake does a good job of it. Because he's not authentic or he just doesn't deliver it, just, it well? He doesn't, it, to me, he doesn't deliver well. And it's hard for me to even believe. It just sounds like, like to me, I didn't like Song Cry by, uh, by Jay-Z. It didn't mm -hmm, sound authentic mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, I agree. You know, there, there are certain things you could, like Mahogany by Eric B. and Rakim sounds authentic. Right. Renee by The Lost Boy sounds authentic. But, the, but you Mahogany know? is, the, Mahogany is a description. It's like Around the Way Girl. It's a description. He's talking about a woman and her attraction to him and his attraction to her but to me it's still a, a, a softer side of an MC and an artist uh -huh. yeah. and maybe that's mm -hmm. that that's the difference I'm looking at you know what could be soft and what could be deemed the difference between soft and weak you know when we're looking at these cats and what they usually how they usually present themselves but at the same time and thank you for, for Jahan for reminding me of it to me we're, sp we're spending time talking about Childish Gambino but Terrence, Terrence Martin has it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think he's, once again, we're splitting hairs with artists, but talking about emotional and putting something as far as your heart out there, as far as your work is concerned, you know, I'm looking at Childish as doing something that I don't feel is authentic, but Terrace Martin, I do feel is authentic, as of, as of the cats right now. Any, any sort of love rhyme or love rap in the 80s and 90s, or the majority of them, they didn't really have that vulnerability. Well, because the, tr the traditional MC was hard. It was all right. Authentic authenticity correlated to you know being hard, being from the streets, being from my block, where I'm at, you know. And then Dela changed that. Dela Soul changed that. Dela or Far Side? Well, I, I I'd say Dela. 
I don't know, my dear, my dear, my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well. Now let me tell you about the feelings I have for you. But on a more mainstream level, I think it was Dayla. Not everybody was. Oh no, not not to say not to say uh, um, not to say introducing the concept of being uh, uh, emotional or even vulnerable, but being being authentic MCs outside of the context of I'm hard. Okay. Okay. Dayla changed that. Dayla opened that up. But in a romantic vulnerability perspective. You know, when I try or make some sort of attempt, I simp. Damn, I wish I wasn't such a wimp. You know, it's right, right, right. It's far side all the way. They were the prototype, really, for vulnerability, romantic vulnerability in hip hop. So you you saying strictly in the sense of in the sense of love? Correct. Right. Okay. No, I get that. But I'm saying for this, are we asking the question though that is this current wave of emotional, romantic slash, for lack of a better term, romantic MCs? Are we asking? Is that a good thing? Is it an evolution of the MC? I don't think it's an evolution because I don't think that... You see, that's, this is the problem, I think, with hip-hop. We can't keep putting them in one place and saying, this is what it means to be a rapper. This is what it means to be an MC. So I don't think it's an evolution. I just think it's another thing. You know, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's not to say every MC that comes out from 2014 on has to fit into the Childish Gambino or the Drake or the uh, or the uh, mm-hmm. Terrace Martin role where it's like you're you know, able to emote these romantic feelings. You don't have to do that. You can do whatever you want. But this is another thing that I think we have to make room for and say, okay, it's cool for them to express themselves this right. way. And they don't have to express themselves in the same way as Lil Wayne or somebody. You know right. what I'm saying? It's like you can do whatever, you can do something different. And I think we do ourselves a service if we do that, you know, within rapping, within emceeing. You know, it was something that I see as an evolution is that the these artists they are they're appealing to females they're appealing to women so ll girls liked ll i mean they liked him you didn't get that from run dmc in that way no not at all girl women like drake but drake gets for different reasons though well well, Well, i think there's similar reasons really women, women love big daddy kane yeah for different reasons not like ll though okay I mean, LL was like a LL was a pinup. Drake has women just like the LL and Big Daddy Kane have women, but to me, he's losing his male audience. I, you never heard anybody challenge LL's masculinity or challenge Big Daddy's Kane masculinity. Where I hear people challenging Drake's masculinity, so yeah. there's a difference. It's a sport almost with Drake. Is this because Drake is? Look, not really a rapper, but really a singer, or is it because no, no, I, I think men reject the fact no, that he's trying to moonlight? No, 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 you have to do it well. Bottom line, you said it early. Orange Juice Jones did it. LL did it. Tribe Called Quest did it. At no point was their masculinity challenged. No, but Scoop, come, come on, I disagree Scoop, with you there. And I'll let John. I'm, let me say one thing, and I'll shut up. But even if you don't like Drake's music, even if you can't stand it, he does what he does well. I disagree. <laughs> Uh, you know that's that's okay, my thing. But, but, he does what he what? does this well, is, and this I have like this, this is subjective. All the reviews I read of Drake, all the criticism I see of him, all the jokes I see about him on Twitter, none of them say he's a whack MC. Prevailing criticism is far from the fact that he's a whack MC. It's more to the point that he's soft and he doesn't mean it. He's doing it specifically as part of a commercial endeavor to pack out arenas full of women. And those are the criticisms that I see en masse. I've never actually seen anybody say he's a whack MC. You know, no one's saying he's right. You know what? Okay. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me stop this. Thank you. I'm glad you said it. Let me clarify. I don't think he's whack. I just don't think he's great. 
And to me, he's been given a great mantle. So I, let me correct myself. I do not think he's whack. But he, in my eyes, is not great. And when he just, he's, no, he's not that. I agree and he's with being you. put up as that. So maybe I'm the. That's yeah, what I'm. Okay. That, that's my rejection. I'm, reject, right, I'm rejecting. Right. I'm rejecting. Yeah, but, but, I'm but rejecting the title that they seem to be giving him right now, and okay, I'm like, no, okay. he's not that. But that's, this is my Richard but, Sherman moment. Fine, fine. But that's <laughs> yeah. a different. That's an entirely different conversation. The question here is: Is his style? Is that the reason that people are criticizing him? And I think the answer there is yes, it is. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And that comes back to the central question: Is of the is black masculinity question? Be, yeah. yeah. And I think is that acceptable? It's and it's one point that's quite interesting that Arthur raised was is it because Drake moonlights as a crooner or a singer? Well, and and the funny thing though is Jay, that seems like that would make it more acceptable. You know what Correct. I'm saying? It seems like that should make it more because for some odd reason, yeah, well, Ralph, Ralph Tresvant sensitivity, right? All all of these guys are you know seeds of Tresvant in that respect. Yeah, but for some reason, within black culture, black music culture, it's okay yeah. to be hella sensitive if you are a singer. Exactly. You can't be hella sensitive like that if you're a rapper. At least not probably maybe post, you know, post 90s, post early 90s. Because um, let's, let's, let's look at Tupac. Tupac was hella emotional. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. Tupac let it all out on, on the microphone. Yeah, but he did it with Fury as well, which he did. You know what? He did it with Fury. He did it with Fury on some songs. He did it with softness on other songs, and he did it with both on on a couple songs as well. Yes. Um, what is the song on uh, "Me Against the World"? Tear, uh, so shed so many tears. tears. Mm-hmm. That's one of the you know to me that's one of the saddest, most you yes. know well done you know saying songs of that of that type in history. You know what I'm saying? It's like that just that's a motive to me. But I think there's some you know why is it to answer to get back to the original question. Why is it that within black music culture you can be vulnerable like that if you're a singer, but you can't be that way if you're an MC? Most of the artists that we've spoken about in the 80s or 90s, their motivation has always been inextricably linked to street credibility. Can you be an openly gay athlete right now and play? It's the same thing. Can you be a soft MC? Ask uh, what's my man's name who came out and when he was in between contracts and I don't think he's playing right. he hasn't been picked up by a team yet yeah, uh, what's his name he was 14 years into his uh, yeah but I'm, uh, st- I'm saying uh, J- Jerry Collins right no 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 Jason Collins was it Jason Collins Jason Collins okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same to me it's the, it's the exact same scenario can you be a soft MC the, professional athletics doesn't lend itself for somebody to be openly gay and play at that level mm-hmm. you know it's well, the see, same hip hop does not allow somebody to come in because the well, landscape it's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. Exactly. Because so, hip hop, by its very nature, is an aggressive music. So that's if you want to get to the core of what we're talking about, this is what we're talking about. Can somebody come in and be a soft, you know, and not soft and weak, but soft. But you're, but as right. far you're as talking e- about vulnerable, emotional sensitive. MC. Sensitive. That, that's a better word. Thank you. Can you Let's come do, in and be a sensitive MC? Can someone be exclusively a soft MC? That's what you're right. asking, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because everybody else, you know, at Far Side, they had elements of, you know, streetness they had elements of reality of roughness about them same thing with tribe called quest they had an electric exactly. relaxation but then they also had you know steve biko stir it up right exactly yeah same with kendrick same with andre 3000 that's the question we need to ask can an mc be exclusively sensitive slash soft period poor, poor drake isn't exclusively soft he's got you know that that one song that 
uh, Isaac likes worst behavior. That's my joint. Right. That's <laughs> right. But motherfuckers never loved us. But, but that's, maybe that's, what, sort of, that's 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 why I can't even agree. That's motherfuckers never loved us. <laughs> but but even there, he's complaining, right? Even there, he's crying. And about to something. me, that's the most inauthentic. He's trying to be hard, man, right. dude. You you, you believe, have a hard day dealing with. I don't like that song, Isaac. I'm sorry. And turn man. that joint up real loud. No, Come on, man. That's my joint. That's that's the. I can't believe you even sent that song out. Y'all soft. the question though uh, you know what you guys have asked are very important and it's like yo can a you know is there room in hip-hop for a black male to express himself if it's not in rage there you go and i think that what we're seeing now is that and kind of like arthur's you know you use the word evolution and i said no but now i'm kind of thinking maybe i need to back back you know backtread on that a little bit maybe there is that evolution happening where we are going to see an album because even on Childish's album, he has those quote unquote sensitive songs. But then he has other songs where he's like, you know, talk about menaging and stuff like that, where it's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, he's still putting that aggressive side out. Maybe we are evolving to the point where a year from now, two years from now, a mainstream album will be put out that is 100 percent start from to finish sensitive. Um, and that's to me, that's a great thing because it's like, yo, I don't need I don't need MCs. I don't need rap to be so singular i think that hurts us and i think that radio loves it you know radio program loves it record labels love it but as a listener as a music snob music listener i don't want that and so if that evolution is happening i'm all for it a good writer should have more strings to their bows than one emotion or than the ability to express one emotion but jay to that point though and i agree with you but to that point that's what i'm saying is that even when cats want to express their other emotions it's like they had to do it through rage you know Let's take this out of black male. Eminem is to me is a good example. Even when he's being sensitive, he's he's you know screaming at you. Yeah, right. which you is know. why I agree that it is an evolution right now. When you've got mm-hmm. people like Andre, uh, Kendrick, you know, uh, even Drake in you know when uh, I, let's just say Drake's finest moments or or Childish Gambino or Chance the Rapper, etc. When you've got people like that, that is an evolution. It's now becoming okay to truly explore all your emotions and put them down on paper and put them down on the mic. That that is can it- only be a good thing. Is it going to be tough to do this if we're really being honest about this conversation? And with, with them knowing and us knowing, but without saying, the fight is up against to try to do this. Because what you're asking is them to be vulnerable, open themselves up. But it's in context with the fight against R&B. We can't act like a genre of music that already does that does not exist. And there's not that much of a True. difference between the two. I agree with you historically, but present day i disagree with you because i don't think r&b is doing that right now i think that we've said this before i think r&b has has learned or taken let hip-hop take the lead too much so now you got r&b singers chris brown uh trey songs whoever who basically present themselves like they're mcs you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. as far as their their presentation of themselves and then the songs yeah the songs dip into love and some vulnerability issues so i think that if this evolution happens within hip-hop i think it's going to be good for r&b because it's going to finally give these R&B singers yeah. room to say, hey, Throws we don't have to be hard I, anymore. I get you, but, same, but we can't act like 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 um, um, the, the Anthony Hamiltons or the, or the Robin Thicks or the Eric Benet's or, we, or, or the Jill Scott's or the Lettuce. We can't mm-hmm. act like they don't exist. And if hip hop goes this way, that's what it's going to be up against. No, I don't think so. Because for one thing, all those artists you mentioned, with the exception of Robin Thicke, who to me is, again, a person who presents himself, you know, he's singing about, you know, vulnerable issues, presents himself more like an MC. His videos are filled with naked women. He's got, you know, the sunglasses. He's too cool to be vulnerable. You and know also inauthentic, cool right? 
Yeah, because it's, it's, yeah. it's all his wife's opinion at the end of the day, right? Yeah, right yeah, as we yeah, said yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. But I think that um, you know Anthony Hamilton's or whatever. I don't. I'm saying that what's happening now in hip hop, this evolution of emo rap, could give birth in R and B again to a new edition. Like you know, a, what I'm saying a renaissance to, or a, a renaissance. Or a yeah, decision because decision of what direction R and B is going to take. Because R and B to me the, needs the, a needs a renaissance right more than hip hop does. I agree. With I that. agree with you. Everybody, agree. but my thing is that is it going to happen? Because they have to. I think they may look at it like, can we do this? Because it already exists. No, no, no. I, I think that because the two genres are so linked now, I think it'll help R and B if these cats like like child because. Flight of the Navigator on Childish album. That's he's singing in that. He's not rapping at all during that song. It's more of a. It's more of a soulful. It's a beautiful song, but it's a song. It's not even a. Yeah, and that, that's kind of like my point. Do I want to? If if I can't sing to the level of whoever, you know what I'm saying? Like if I can't sing like an Anthony Hamilton or I can't sing Raheem Devon. If uh, I can't mm-hmm. sing like that, mm-hmm. why can I make a record like? You know, that's going to be my competition. That's kind of what I'm saying. Is you're that saying if I'm a hip hop artist, oh, from the hip hop, if I'm am I trying to do oh, what they're okay, doing? Why should I do it? Because now nah, I'm up against goes, the fight. I see what you're saying, but this goes back to my argument of we have to make room for all times, all types of, of of rap in the rap genre. I think there's room for this sensitivity, and I also think there's room for cats to be ODB if they want to. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of rap that I want to see. Uh, I just want to clear the air. The love below. We are saying that Andre made a concept album, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he didn't make, For the okay. most part, yeah. Because I'm not saying that. 100%. Yeah, right. so so you, could, you anybody... could argue Speaker Box, Love Below was in itself, you know, the whole package was Absolutely concept. Absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. But I'm just saying specifically the, the yeah, idea Love of Below, Below yeah. Rap. Because yeah. that's kind of an elephant in the room yeah. that we didn't really address. Yeah. Okay, but so it was it was a concept album, but really it was a Prince tribute but, album. But, but one, well, you know what? Very good point, Isaac. And he had the same attitude as Prince did. So Same ideology. Prince could walk around in, you know, lace, bikinis, but he would still walk around strutting his attitude like, I'm about to knock you out if you look at me. Same thing with Andre. Andre, you know, was very affecting, was very moving, was very vulnerable on that, but he still had his swag. It wasn't laid bare emotion, vulnerability. And plus, Andre has Southern Playlistic and, you know, AT Aliens and all that stuff yeah, in, his, he had in, that his, in his back pocket. You know, so it was like, dude was already Dre, you know, so. But I get your point. Yeah, he wasn't getting the... The backlash that that Drake is getting, and Drake, yo, because Drake a, brought a lot of heat, this. Though. Drake, Andre took heat. At yeah, ATL oh yeah, lines. oh, he took a lot. He took heat. He love took love. Heat I know a lot of cats people, who can't stand love. Right. No, no, no. But he got he took heat for a different reason. Drake takes heat because people think he's soft. People were mad at Andre because they wanted him to rap. They needed him to rap. They missed him rapping. I don't think people are actually missing Drake rapping. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. All with right, Terrence Martin. Yeah, one reason I wanted to talk about Terrace is because he seems to have blended the vulnerability with an acceptable, just normal guy vibe. And he's dropped a great album. That's, thank you. That's, that, that's, that's the point I always try to make. And even though it's subjective, if you do it well, Terrace yeah. Martin did it well. That, that's to me what it's all about. And I'm it's not, a you seamless know, concept album. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, from the title yeah. down to the interludes. Down yep. to the production, down yep. to the rhymes. He just did it well. And, and you know what? Arguably, we're talking about, you know, we, we asked the question, can an MC rhyme and sing convincingly on the same album? I mean, Terrace took it one step further. Can an MC rhyme and play saxophone convincingly on the same album? You know, that, that's to me, that's a broader stretch. But he, he presented well. himself as who he is as an artist. 
not something contrived, not something forced. You know, not it doesn't even seem conceptual. It's just, hey, this is me as an artist, and this is where I am right it's now. It's just natural. It's and very I, natural. And, you know, we're not saying he's the greatest MC. Nobody's mm-hmm. saying he's the greatest sax player. Nobody's saying, you know, musically this is a, a groundbreaking, you know, project that he did. No, it just all fits, and he did it well. This is who I am. It's who I am. But he did it well. He did it with quality. It's not like he rushed this. Now, just for clarification, is uh, is Terrace part of the Black Hippie movement? Or no. is it more? No, no I think he's, okay. he's affiliated in the way that he produced or he assisted um, and contributed to Good Kid, Mad City, etc. But mm-hmm. he's his own artist. Yeah, they just happen to be in L.A. Has That's he done right. with any, Has he done any work with Absol? Yeah, Absol. I know Absol's yeah. on. Yeah, Absol's probably just done any beats. Okay. Yeah. This is his first official album. First album, but he's had yeah. a lot of mixtapes and stuff. Yeah, he has, and all of those mixtapes, all of them have been concept mixtapes. He had Low High, like a high school kind of joint. Mm-hmm. He had the Sex EP, which you know, self-explanatory. And uh, and Isaac, he had an he had an album or a mixtape called. Hear my dear, which was it's is basically you know again the chronicle of a love story. But yeah, I mean he sat out. If there's any kind of thought behind it, he rather than just putting his own emotions out on on paper or on tape, he set out to blend Quincy Jones's Back on the Block with Dr. Dre's 2001. Um, I think he achieved it. Will he be allowed to continue on this track as an artist in hip hop? Well, I'm not, it depends, you know, on a lot of things. Label support is one of them. But uh, yeah, I think so. I think he's got a huge amount of respect behind the boards, number one. Number two, you know, he, he rhymes convincingly. He's also a very talented instrumentalist. We said the sax. So I think people look at that and they say, yeah, you know, you mean business. With all those other things under his belt, I think everything else is questioned a lot less. But even so, even if he was just an MC, even if these were just his rhymes and that's, that was his only contribution, I think he blends it to a point that, rightly or wrongly, the audience is comfortable with. And he does it well. I want to ask Scoop a question. Can an established MC drop a sensitive, vulnerable concept album today? Could Jay-Z or Snoop do it? Well, I think, to be honest with you, once again, to me, it has to be done well. I agree with that. I could see Ghostface doing it because, I mean, he tried Wild, it with pretty Wildflower. Tony. He did it with Wildflower. Right. But Ghost is just even when Ghost is damn near crying on the track, oh, he's still he's, hard. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just, but that's we know, ghost. but we know how hard he can go. But that's not not to put words in your mouth, then, Scoop and Arthur. But what I think is wrapped up in your answer is the audience doesn't have an inherent rejection of vulnerability in hip hop. That is your answer to this whole question. There's not an automatic rejection. It is not a credibility issue. It is not a black masculinity issue. It is simply a quality issue. No, but there's a roadblock there that, that, that is forcing it to, when it's done, it has to be great in order to be accepted. That's what he just said. It's yeah. a quality issue. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But, but Scoop, so you're saying an average, fairly ordinary quality street rap MC would be more readily accepted than an average, fairly ordinarily basic, vulnerable MC. If their quality level is the same for the domain in which they're working... Yeah. Do you think there'll be a different level of acceptance between the two styles? Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, cause Jay, exactly. if if in nineteen seventy or seventy-two, uh, you know, in Black Soul, an artist would say, you know what, let's do an album that's all about politics mm-hmm. and black soul mm-hmm. music. Everybody yeah. be like, hell no. Right. But yet when what's going on comes out and it's so great. That's my point. That's that the just, only point. You know what I'm saying? It forces you to be like, that's this all is- I'm saying. Thank you, Isaac. Com- Common could do it, maybe. 
But man, he had the chance on B until he put that ghost stuff on there. Ghost seems so. But lyrical talent and you know openness to vulnerability and getting that right balance and everything, Common could do it. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I don't know about now, but I. But you know what Common said though. Common said that, and you guys are gonna hate this. Oh my god, you're gonna hate this. Common said D'Angelo, if given a mic, like you know, hip hop mic. Is on the level of Rakim. Oh yeah, that's I completely disagree with. Con- was he drinking? <laughs> no, he was. He was in his vegan phase when he said that. <laughs> Too much juice. He was drinking raw juice. Juicing. Raw juice. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! 1992. The world was shocked to find out that Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown had tied the knot. They lasted for a married long from time. 1992 to 2007 before they. Uh, before they split up and we lost Whitney Houston uh, early 2012. Bobby Brown years like dog years, so you know. <laughs> wow. You can multiply that by wow. seven, son. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> totally unnecessary. And, you know, their marriage was publicly ridiculed, defended, uh, uh, humorized, uh, with the, particularly with the show... Uh, what was the name of the show? The the reality show, Being Bobby Brown. Yeah, the Being Bobby Brown show and uh, greatest reality show ever, ever, Their ever, life Thank ever, you. ever, ever, forever, ever, it's a low bar, ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, very low bar. We said reality show. We did specify reality. I'm show. sorry. What's the what if, Arthur? <laughs> the what if? What if Whitney Houston had not married Bobby Brown? I have a different answer if I hear about it, so I'm going to go last. I see this going into well, a very dark place. I think I got place. a different answer. But... <laughs> <laughs> go, I'm going to let you guys go ahead. Here's the thing. Um, I was fortunate enough to, I, want, I don't want to say work with, deal with Whitney Houston very early in her career because I was working at a radio station in New Orleans, WYLD, doing an internship. Um, and that's when that first album dropped. So I kind of got some ground level stuff on her early. Um and I'll say this. Bobby didn't do anything to change her. She Everybody was going to be who that. she was anyway. So if it wasn't Bobby, Everybody it was going to be somebody that. else. She could have wound up with, she probably would have wound up a member of the Wu-Tang. <laughs> In all honesty. Because that's who she was. Now that would have been interesting. But, but right, she could have wound up with RZA. She could have wound up with Ghost Rizzo. and Whitney. No, nah, probably Raekwon. I would have yeah. like seen a Ghost and Whitney like nah, duet album though. Right. <laughs> that would have been dope. That would have been dope. That would have been, been dope. But that's that's who she is and that's who she was and that's who she's going to wind up with. Anyway, Bobby didn't change Whitney. So to me, the what if is nothing. nothing. Everything played out the way with her career-wise. I'm saying career. I'm not speaking to just, you know, personally in her death or anything. But nothing would have changed at all. She would have ran into somebody else that would have been the same equivalent to Bobby Brown and that's her. So that was Bobby didn't change Whitney. Bobby just spoke to something inside Whitney. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby let it to. be. Bobby let the world know who Whitney was. Isn't that? Let's. This is the. This is the Valentine's love show. So let's get a little deep on it. Isn't that the nature of love, though? When you can meet somebody who speaks to something inside of you that nobody else has spoken to. Exactly. So yeah. in an effed up sense, I mean, isn't that what Bobby did for for Whitney? He, he understood who Whitney. He was. understood her because from yeah. what I, I, you know, I don't know the whole history, but. 
for what I heard back in the day, all those other brothers who was hollering at her, dating or whatever, was they treated not, her like 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 Clive Davis wanted her to be seen. Mm, right, and then exactly. Bobby came and spoke to a different part of her. He knew who the she true, was. Yeah, the, exactly, the, the, the true like, part. Oh yeah, you were Jersey, you know whatever. So that's this in a in a, a in a very uh, hood sense. That's a beautiful thing, right? It is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. you know. But I still say, like I said, if it wasn't Bobby. She was gonna wind up with some, you know, it could have been anybody, you know, anybody in that same in that same area. It wasn't gonna be anybody else in New Edition. No, no Johnny Gills, no, you know, Michael Bivens. None of them couldn't wrap that. Right? Up. No, no, no. Right? She'd have been she'd have hooked up with Raekwon, and it'd have been a rap, and it'd have been the same thing. You know, hell, we were only, actually, hey, only other music snobs, folks. You heard it here first that Whitney Houston came this close to dating. Raekwon <laughs> <laughs> But we're actually seeing it with Beyonce. Well, actually, she was with Ray J, hooking up right? with Jay Z. So, yeah, but see, you know, Beyonce. The comparison, and this is again from you know the strictly like a consumer point of view. My perception of of Whitney, Clive, did, like you said, did a really good job presenting her as this very elegant, you know, lady. Blah blah blah. Beyonce, the minute she starts talking. It's like like vocally talking. It's like you know what time it is. I don't. Yeah, I know what time it is. It's like she's not, she's not presenting her. She's not a. She's she's not not elegant to me. You know what I'm saying? It's like and that's no disrespect to anybody in Houston. No disrespect to anybody in the South. You know, I see it as Bobby having a longer shelf life commercially. Thank you. Since his marriage to Whitney Houston, I mean, they went on Oprah. Oh, it did wonders for Bobby. Yeah. (laughs) Because when okay when they got married, that was what year was that? Ninety two. So that was post. That was post, uh, obviously post Don't Be Cruel. That was post Don't Be Cruel. Was pre it post Bobby, I think. It was, was pre Bobby. It was pre Bobby. It was pre Bobby, right? So it was pre the album with his back to the. Yeah, that's yeah, right. With, it was pre Humping Around. Did, he, he, yeah, right. And that's what prompted her to Humpin call Ram, him the, the king, king of, of R&B. R&B. Mm-hmm. After, after, after Don't that, Be Cruel. Yeah, but after that album, it was, you know, nothing after that. I mean, he put out an album after that, but I'm saying as far as sales wise. So his his marriage to Whitney is what kept him famous throughout the rest of that. But you know what? I have the flip side to that. I think, you know, God bless the grave, amazing artist, I'm sure a wonderful person. She ruined his career. He she had, ruined his career? She ruined his career. Yeah. If, if Whitney Houston hadn't married Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown may be R. Kelly today. That's mm. a great point. That's a great point. I want to hear, but point. talk about that some more, please. Well, okay. So you had the new edition albums, right? He set himself up as not necessarily the greatest vocalist in the group, but certainly the one with the stage presence. The one with the star quality, the one with the most charismatic. Uh, you know, most charismatic. I remember seeing Ralph Tresvan on Arsenio and doing Stone Cold Gentleman. So Ralph Tresvan comes out and, you know, he's doing Stone Cold Gentleman and he's in his suit. And the suit is buttoned up and his tie is, you know, tucked in under the buttons. And he does the whole song and the crowd's really into it and he's a good performer. And then Bobby Brown comes out for the rap. And Bobby Brown comes out, his, you know, I think his suit is still buttoned up, but his tie is flapping around, his shirt is hanging out, you know, his trousers is almost falling down. He's like really, really going for it hard. You can see the sweat pouring through his shirt, etc. <laughs> crowd goes ballistic. Crowd goes ballistic. Bobby Brown takes women out of the crowd, start talking about them. Oh, you know, she's got a good future ahead of her. All this kind of talk. Really, really, really going for it. Crowd, he had the crowd eating out there, out of his hand. So he had, he had New Edition, then he had King of Stage, banging album, 86. Then he had Don't Be Cruel, banging album, 88. Then he gets married, and then he has Bobby Brown. Then he has B. Brown Posse, Need I Go On? <laughs> no. That's a, that's a fair point. So, but how, but how though, Jahan? How did she... I think she sucked the oxygen out of his life. She, she, so she, she overshadowed him? 
I think so. I think so. It was. All I mean, clearly me. she was the nah, bigger yeah, star. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, I think what Jahan is going with is that it, his person, his persona of who he was as an artist at the time, kind of got taken away inside of his marriage. Exactly. I don't think he's. Uh, well, I don't think he's talking about her eclipsing him as far as like, you know, the largeness of who they were. As far as billing is concerned, and who Whitney Houston was, he was just him he was being huge married, as well, right? He was right, huge just married. Time. Period. Kind of. T- if he had married anybody else, it may have been the same thing. But the fact that he did marry Whitney Houston kind of like sucked everything out of him. How many white? people? Am I right, John? Completely. How okay. many white people you think in that year when they heard that Whitney Houston was married, Bobby Brown said, they lost "Who?" Their damn mind. No, they lost their no, damn mind. Who said who? Because I don't know about. I yes, don't know. Bobby Brown was big. He was not Whitney Houston big. He was not crossing every genre. No, like you're that. right. You're Young right. Young R&B have... pop maybe, but not contemporary. You know, she no, was no, doing you're, everything. You're right. But but you know like, what Isaac? More people knew about him than you give credit. You're right. He didn't have he didn't have an "I will always love you" you know number one for for. He didn't even have a believe. He didn't even have a "I believe I can fly." Okay, all right, fair enough. But he was doing. He was. I remember in like '88, he was shutting down. Whether it was Wembley Arena or Earl's Court Arena here in London, he but was shutting London, it down. But that's London, though, seven, Jay. But, but listen, we've already Isaac, established. We've already established, Isaac, though. White folks set, in London have a bigger appreciation for black no, no, music no, no, than no, white no, people in, in America. I don't. Not like this, though. Not like this. Seven days back to back, or five days back to back. Prince was doing that. Madonna was was doing maybe three or four days. This guy was doing it back to back, four, five, six, seven nights all around the world, and. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Caucasians in the UK, they'll, maybe they've got a broader appreciation for African American music than than Caucasians in the United States. But that's that's different. That's we're talking clubs. We're talking small shows, etc. To get to a stadium or an arena level. I'm not arguing. Have, that he. I'm not arguing that he wasn't arena level material. I'm saying he wasn't as big as Whitney. So he wasn't as big as Whitney. But what I'm trying to say is, once you get once you're in that top bracket dynamic. Yeah, sure. Jahan, she, Jahan's she was, saying that he was he had his foot in the door. He was great. I agree with that. He was a superstar to everybody. He was iconic in the black in the black community. Whitney was iconic, period. Yes, she was. But what I'm saying is, what I'm okay, you know what? It's kind of like the steeplechase in the Olympics. Right? You get you get the gold, you get the silver, you get the bronze. There's like usually a 10-minute gap between gold and then silver and bronze. But silver and bronze are still silver and bronze. They're still on that podium. They're still getting that medal. Right, they're, they're still world down. recognized. So there may be a massive gap between them, but there's then again a massive gap between the silver and bronze guys and everybody else. I agree But Isaac's you. point is, the, how many white people are like, who's that who got the bronze? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's your point. Right. I know who won the gold, but right. who's that dude who got the bronze? I never heard right. of him. That's Whitney, your point. When he got the gold again. Right, when he got the gold again. Who's, who's that, that guy dude? with the bronze? <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Wow. And your point, it, because of the way he played, I, to answer your question, Isaac, uh, I think there were a lot. Probably not as many as, you know, would generalistic be thought, but I think there were probably a lot like, who, where did this cat come from? Who is this cat? And if you look at the history of the people that she was, quote, unquote, dating, you know, um, the, the, the Eddie Murphy room was like, they weren't going to say who is Eddie Murphy. They knew who Eddie Murphy was. Right. And even, even you know, the whole Randall Cunningham thing, you know, from a sports perspective, you know, there were probably a lot of people who knew who, you know, Randall Man, Cunningham. Like he's dating a football. She's right, she's been an NFL, right, NFL, NFL player. NFL player. But Bobby and, Brown, to a, lot of, to a lot of mainstream, you know, Nebraska, Iowa, middle America, mm-hmm. you know, 
Right, who the hell is that guy? And, right. and actually, and actually the, 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 the white mainstream coverage of him didn't help because I think he may be the first artist ever to get labelled the now way, way overused term and, and nonsensical term, rap singer. Right. Oh yeah, God, exactly. I'm so glad you said that. I was just about to say that. Yeah, he he was. I think he, he was, was the, the first original one. rap singer. And according yeah, to the white Chris Brown press. is now is now a rap singer or a. And sometimes Jay, they just call him a rapper. Right. <laughs> they don't right. even. They don't even, they don't even like yeah, the rapper Chris Brown. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. He's right. not an exactly. MC. Stop that, no. right. But yeah, that's an excellent point. I think though, it's it's that's really interesting though. What if you know for this what if had because I was looking at it strictly from the effect on Whitney, but Jahan's point. You know where would Bobby be at had he not, you know, met? Yeah, everybody Mary looks. Whitney. Everybody talks about you know the effect Bobby had. I don't know her. if he'd be in R. Kelly because I don't think he has that you know production. He does. He didn't produce his own music. He didn't write. But somebody would produce him. Somebody. Somebody would have grabbed him though. Yeah, but R. Kelly's longevity, I think, is tied to the fact. You know, Jam and Lewis might have got hold of him. You never know. That's what I was you thinking. Jam and Lewis may have gotten a hold of me. He probably got somebody else down the way. Somebody would taken a chance. You on know, because you can imagine him doing. Something along the line. I mean, I can imagine him with Rhythm Nation type production. Mm-hmm. And yeah, also, but too. hold on, but you know, would he have? Because Bobby's longevity was also tied to the fact that his stamina as a superstar. You know, saying he did a lot of self-destructive yeah. things to himself. Yeah, yeah. True. You know, true. so there's that to throw in it. But to the point, though, I, I you know I agree with because it's interesting. I bet you a lot of mainstream people who know who Bobby Brown is to this day probably have no idea who New Edition is. And that's to your point yeah, uh, and John's point as far as true. his level of you know superstardom. You know who he was. And actually, there's. There's a what if wrapped up in a what if here because Bobby Brown claims that he dated Janet Jackson during a brief separation between her and Renee Elizondo and she dumped him in 89. What if Janet hadn't dumped Bobby Brown? Mm. Mm. Uh, that's for another day. I didn't even know they dated, so my mind is still messed up behind that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, in Don't Be Cruel, there's, you know, the rap section. He's like, you know, he, he refers to... A woman I want you, Jackie. Jackie. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's Jackie. Jackie. Wow. Janet. Yeah, so... I mean, but that's... She was doing you know it like that? Damn, Janet. Don't be cruel. She was demanding that Bobby spend all his money on he's, her. He's Just hold on, thing. Isaac. Look, we're coming home. <laughs> before, before we wrap this up, let, let's, let, let's just be straight about this. The one thing we got to say about Bobby Brown... And we say that about men, we talk about the Valentine's Day thing. Timing is everything. <laughs> Bobby was right place, right time with the right women. And the right ring. And the right, right. You know what I'm saying? He had a, the, the, only, the only way he got Whitney before anybody else did or got through to her because he was, that was at a, he caught her at a point in her life, right place, right time. What did you just say about Janet Jackson? Caught her right in between, you know, catching people in those vulnerable moments. You know, I'm not saying Bobby was poaching. But he caught women at the right place at the right time. Now, to Jahan's point, you know, we talk about what if he had never married Whitney. And he brought up another good what if if he had never dated Janet. You know, the effect that the women have had on his career, you know, we don't know what Janet would have been. But we're, Jahan's point, I think, is spot on in the effect that Whitney had on his career. What if he had been single? What if he had just done his Bobby Brown thing? You know, what if he had married somebody of... Uh, of lesser notoriety, but, you know, s- some elements of fineness of a Whitney Houston. You know, uh, 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 what if he had married, like, one of his backup dancers that happened to be fine as hell? He, could he have still maintained the yeah. Bobby Brown for another 10 years 
and not have to live with that. I can't mess up this relationship publicly because uh, according to everybody else, I got the ring. You know, what I'm I got Whitney Houston, so I got the ring. So I can't, I can't screw this up. What if he married Pebbles? She would have taken all his money. Right. <laughs> yeah, if, if Bobby Brown had married Pebbles, TLC would have never gone bankrupt. <laughs> right. She would have just taken all. Right. She would have taken all Bobby, Bobby's money. Right. But she would have made sure Bobby was making money. You know what I'm saying? Against Whitney was like Bobby, you don't have to do anything. I got this. Right. Pebbles would be get your ass out there and work. <laughs> right. Your ass is out there working right now. <laughs> so there's a so it's interesting when we look at Bobby Brown's wow. career and you know in in this what if scenario, you know because. Literally, if he married almost anybody, you know, Janet and Whitney, ex- you know, excluded from that. But if he married anybody from Pebbles on down, and I'm not saying that, you know, just somebody like that, that didn't have, that, that wasn't self-contained, his career, like you said, he could have been like the pre, you know, you know the, or made it hard for R. Kelly to come into this lane because he would have filled the lane. Somewhere Bobby Brown is listening to the show going, damn. <laughs> Damn, I never thought about it. I like never that. thought about that. The niggas get me. I need to do. I we need should, to do being Bobby Brown right, too. Jay, and had him on. Jay, are you ready to produce Bobby Brown's next album? Right, there you go. Get yeah. ready for Hell the phone yeah. call. Go, right, his emo, right. his emo album. <laughs> All right, our next topic. This is this is one of the reasons. It's topics like this that I really, really enjoy doing this show because you would never find the two artists that we're going to be talking about in the same conversation anywhere else. That's true. We're going to talk about two of the greatest relationship albums that have been released in our time. 1994's My Life by Mary J. Blige and 1999's Bitter by Michelle and Diego Cello. So I present to you, I can't stand the pain. Uh, you know, just, just to kick this off, I think that these two albums are so uh, are much more divergent than they would seem from a distance. You know, my life to me is, is of the, you know, of the last 20 years is one of the greatest, you know, soul R&B albums, period, you know, of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. This album has, to me, has gotten the unfair um, label of being a sad breakup album. And I don't think it is. This album to yeah. me is a 360, you know, 365 kind of, you know, uh, relationship album in the in the sense that it looks exactly. at the relationship from the entire, entire scope exactly. and even more importantly this album in you know more than more than one song I believe is not even about love or relationships it's about this existential almost uh, kind of deep reverent look that Mary takes at her life you know at that point to me it's the a self discovery album yeah the title it's a self exploration album the yeah. title song my life is not about love it's not about it's not it's not about love in a romantic sense so to speak strictly speaking it's more so about an introspective look at herself yep. where she's at yep. um, her relationship with God her relationship with uh, her career and the, what she's been through and so to me I think though this this album kind of got this label of being this heartbreak album, and I'm like, I don't know where that came from. I think it came from the relationship she was in with Casey. With Casey at the time, right? Bought the outside into that and attached it to it. Yes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I think her that relationship, and of course, she was battling drugs, she was drugs and alcohol, alcohol. at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, and there was a number of like interviews, you know, published at the time where she was very combative, almost oh, yeah, with did. with the uh, with the reporter. So it's like she just got a, you know, that was her image at that time. Um, but I think there's just such a big difference between my life and bitter. Mm-hmm. Bitter to me is like the penultimate, I mean, the ultimate, you know, 
breakup album. It's like it's it's not even a breakup album. It's post breakup. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this is the it's the after the two three weeks after you broken yeah, up and exactly. you still ain't left the house. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. It's the middle of the day and you taking naps. It's that type of you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's like even the cover. She's kind of I think she's like laying on the bed mm-hmm. and it's look it's like she just can't take it anymore. That album you put that album on in the middle of the day when it's sunny and, and I, clouds will appear. You know what I'm saying. That's what type <laughs> of album this is. So I think these two albums are so different from one another that I get the central thought that we have as far as them being, you know, ultimate relationship albums. But to me, for my money, not to say my life is musically superior, but I like my life better because it's more, it, it gives a fuller scope of um, of Mary's life at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, uh, I can listen to my life more. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what it boils down to. It's like, you know, it, what makes a movie great? Is a movie great because it, it stands alone or does a movie become great because you can watch it 20 times, you know? And in this situation, this scenario, I have and can listen to my life so much more than I can bitter. Not take anything away from bitter. You know, I, I, I have my own personal issues with bitter, but just as an album, as a standalone, I just, there's... Over the period of time, I've just listened to my life so many more times because maybe because it's a much more enjoyable experience than the experience you go through listening to bitter. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, I, I don't, don't get that either. when I listen to, when I listen to when I listen to my life. Let me preface by saying that I do like the album. I do think that it's one of the greatest statements in R and B. Um, but there's a lot of I there's a lot of repetitiveness in the themes. I mean, you can run down the song titles. It's, it's a song is either about why did you leave me? Please don't leave me. I want to be happy. And it, it, it are you sure you're not talking song. about bitter? Oh yeah. I'm terribly sure. <laughs> Cause that's, I me, mean, bitter, bitter was one note to me. No, bit, no, no. bitter has got, multiple. bitter's got grace. Bitter's got sincerity. I mean, when you run through, bitter's when you run beautiful. through all the entire album, when you get to my life, She's not declaring, be happy is not a declaration of I'm going to be happy or I found a way to be happy. It's all I really want is to be happy, to find that, find a love that's mine and to feel so free. And that's the, not a the, resolution? No. She's still searching. At the end of Bitter. But at least she knows race. what she's searching for. Yeah, proclamation can be a resolution. Right, exactly. Well, she always know. I mean, the whole album is about how she wants to be happy. No, it isn't. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Some songs on there, she's 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 in love, and this man is you know making her this and that. unhappy. No, there's a, there's a yeah, but she still wants she doesn't want to she feel still that wants pain. To be happy. I mean, she, but she the declaration of she's not reveling the in the pain. Declaration of like I want. I, I, I don't think I never want to live without you is a painful song. I think it's a proclamation or a, a, a claim. Yeah, of, I'll buy that. When I hear bitter, that. it's more of an enjoyable listening to me because it's a multifaceted look at relationships. Um, the the tragedy that you find in relationships and and the beauty that you can get out of them and that is most expressed that idea is most expressed in the final song grace correct bitter was very very different from any other album that that michelle had done Mm -hmm. in her catalog before or after Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like if you can describe an artist who has an established sound has established critical acclaim and then completely changes the trajectory of that. Bitter is that album. And that's why I had the biggest problem with. 
Yeah, and I can understand that, Scoop. But Bitter uh, makes... That's right. As they, Bitter was... I was like... Because I was in love with... I love Michelle and Dagan Cello so much that if I had a daughter, I was going to name her Michelle. Mm-hmm. And then listening to Bitter, I'm like, this is so not... You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing like what I fell in love with her about. It's, to me, that's when she first dropped the bass. Like, I'm not doing... I'm done. And I was like, but that's, you know... But, but Scoop, so, let me ask you. You, you know what? In, in the interest of full disclosure, I, um, I had exactly the same experience when I heard Bitter. And it, it actually, I was almost in a state of shock, actually. Yes. When I heard it, because I, I mean, Plantation Lullabies, Peace Beyond Passion. Yes. They were, as soon as I heard them, two of the greatest albums I'd ever heard. And I heard them both on their release. I was a devotee of Michelle. I was very, very freaked out to hear Bitter. Heard it, shocked me, almost slightly traumatized. What freaked me out was that she was coming in concert almost immediately after its release and I had tickets because you know we bought them well in advance back then and I was quite nervous about going to the show I went to the show and she had an electric band she had a bass she was on keyboards and bass interestingly that's the only time I've seen her do that and it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen and it made me realize that the compositions themselves were very very Michelle-esque they were very they weren't it wasn't a departure compositionally and yeah, I saw like the, the beauty the, the in the album song. translates better live it was way. just it was just I, a, well, no, 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 I don't agree with that I don't agree with that it translates better live for someone craving or unable to let go as I was when I first heard it of that funk sound that she right. had patented but it doesn't translate better live necessarily I mean I've heard I've heard it live in different incarnations she did it she did the whole album live about four or five years ago that was an amazing concert, and that was much more in keeping with the actual recorded sound on, you know, the actual produced sound on the record. But when I when I heard the compositions, just in the context of a piece beyond passion type vibe, which is what that first concert was, it blew me away. And I went back, and then I I just acknowledged the beauty in the songs, and I slowly got to grips with the production. The production style is a very much more sort of folky sound by uh, Craig Street who produced for Cassandra Wilson and Katie Lang at that time. So it's kind of like abandoning that Bob Power, David Gamson sound. Um, in fact, Maverick were the ones that kicked David Gamson off. They, you know, he, he made some tracks for her, uh, for her third album and they rejected them all and they booted them off. And slowly uh, they, they accepted Craig Street, interestingly enough. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, but have you not revisited it since then? just at least if nothing else lyrically and compositionally well i have one i haven't had the luxury of seeing this played out in concert you know what i'm saying so i can get another contextual standpoint in which to go back well, to i'll have to send it. you I, i'll have to send you one no nah, i from what you're experiencing like you need to be there you have you have audio or you have visual jay i have a few different versions of audio yeah, I have to hear that. Yeah, I don't. You know I what? Don't, I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't think it needs to because I. You know, for, for me, like I said, these are two very different albums. But I will say, going back to Arthur's point originally, it doesn't bother me that Mary's album doesn't necessarily present a resolution because I don't think love in and of itself has a resolution. So I, it doesn't. You no, know, we she still doesn't. Trying to figure it out. Yeah, she doesn't, and that's the nature of love. To Thank me. you. It's exactly. a never. It's a never ending puzzle. So I don't think that she needed to present a resolution. Um, and her her proclamation of the fact that she wants to be happy, I loved it because it was so honest. Like I'm not happy, but I, all I want is to be happy. Yeah, right. But that um, honesty, if you're talking about honesty, 
Spitzer has it. I mean, I'm not. Droves. I'm not arguing against that. I'm not. I'm not arguing against that. I'm not arguing against that. So I said, but to me, these albums are so very, very they are. different. They are, and they're you know, both. Michelle they're both doesn't. Dope, Michelle doesn't. I don't think Michelle dips into some of the places that Mary does, and vice versa. I doubt. I, I just can't agree with that. I cannot agree. I mean, bitter is. I love my life. It was my soundtrack when it dropped. I loved it. I listened to it almost exclusively until Diary of Mad Band came out. Um, amazing album. But I I can't say after listening to that album, Mary's a genius. I can say after listening to Bitter, Michelle's a genius. See, I, no, I think, man, you know, and I listened... You know, obviously, I've listened to my life for you know years and years, but of course, you know, this week I, I you know really sat down and listened to it again, start to finish, and I'm even more knocked out by that album now than I was you know 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she took you know between her Puffy and uh, Chucky, Chucky Booker, Chuck, yeah, Chuck Chucky Thompson, Thompson Chucky, Chucky Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Um, they for the first time, and again to you guys' point, I think this ended up being a detriment to R and B music. But at that point, it was never done before. Mm-hmm. They took hip hop beats, mm-hmm. and and to the point of our first topic today, they took hip hop beats and to made these incredibly emotional songs off of hip hop. Nailed it, nailed it. You know, it was it was unbelievable. One thing that Bad Boy did, and you got to give Puffy a lot of credit for this. They owned samples in the sense of yeah, oh, they yeah. sampled yeah. a song. You didn't think about the original no, sample, you know, the right. first time you heard it. You're right. You thought about the song that you were hearing at that moment. So they basically reinterpreted samples. Mm-hmm. And this album is chock full of them to the point where those Curtis Mayfield samples that she used, not that it, it took anything away from the original, but it just was a completely new interpretation yeah. of this music. And I think the emotion in Mary's voice, emo- Mary has never been a great singer. Never. The emotion in her voice, yeah. Raw, the ad libs, the she even scattered on some songs. Yeah. It's 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 unbelievable, man. Yeah. For no, no, where I, we're I, at now in R and B to go back to listen to that at that time, I'm like man, I agree with that. I feel killer, like I didn't appreciate it, it, it enough it, when I was I, at it. It's a killer album, did, yeah. and I appreciated it heavy at that time. I, I, I loved it. So you know far. what, Jay? I, I loved it from the sense of being a however teen. I, I can't remember mm-hmm, how you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I was twenty. I was, right. I was 19, 19 mm-hmm. or twenty years old. I loved it from the sense of it was my music at the time. I loved the album. Right. Mm-hmm. Now as an older person, a grown man listening to it, I say, yo, this is a classic. It's a classic. <laughs> no thing is, is about my, it. my genius moment with Mary came much later. It came with the breakthrough. That was my genius moment Jesus, with me Scoop, with Mary. What are you really? smoking? Yeah. yeah see. But <laughs> listen, my, listen, her great but, no 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 no. I'm not even having it. Her greatest album without a doubt is my life. Followed by Mary. But bitter, bitter, bitter made me question Michelle's genius. Yeah, I mean, that's, even, I can't, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. I think it, it, it did the same for me, but it did the same for me. It did the same for me because I had immature ears at the time. But you also had an, ex- you also had an experience that I have an experience. You said it. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah, went true, to see it true, live true, and that true. changed your entire, true. and I've had that happen with me, that happened with me with D'Angelo, that happened with, me with Justin yep. Timberlake. Yep, yep, well, yep, I didn't get yep, their projects yep. until I saw them live and they said, oh, I got it. So with me not having that same experience, I still feel the same way. But I'm ashamed that I needed the the extra component because, I mean, the lyrics, I mean, you know, you rarely notice, but I hang on your every word, everything you say. You're much too busy to notice me. You turn and walk away. Okay. Beautiful, okay, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Jahan, Wasted Jahan, time here's, here's, on loving look, you. Beautiful. We're still dealing with music. And I think my biggest problem outside of the concept of what she's doing lyrically is, like you said, streets production. It, there, there's nothing... And, 
it's hard to get out of a lane when, when you establish a lane that she established, you know, from the beginning. The fact that there's nothing to me musically that's soulful there is, hmm. is gone. Full of but, me? Huh? But I think, full of me? Yeah, that's there's, the thing. You know what? That's there's, a soulful there's, song, there's, man. That doing, not, yeah. not, once again, once she's, she's established scoop. the lane that she's established. Mm-hmm. No, but you've got to let people well, I, grow. And there's, I'm, not, I'm not letting people grow. To me, it's still music. But no, there, I, okay. There's, there's no, Jimmy there's Hendrix no thread. soulfulness, there's no which thread is what there. bitter is to I me. I mean, she did. She cut off every thread that you that that she that she established from Peace Beyond Passion. Right. I think Peace Beyond Passion is her greatest album. Right. Don't know about when, that. <laughs> but 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 when but when bitter happened, it didn't it it it, it cemented her genius for Agreed. The exact opposite. Why? Because both hold on, because both Scoop because she and did, Jay have said they they, she, they weren't feeling it. You were feeling it from the minute. Yeah, it came because out. the thread the thread for me was the mood that she had established. In yeah, both no albums. respect to Arthur. Respect for that because my I'll, I'll openly admit my ears were too immature when I first heard it. So I now I saw I saw that show uh, I saw that show at the uh, at the Vic in Chicago, mm-hmm. and she opened with uh, Grace. She came out and opened the show with this with this laid back, acoustic based song. And then it got darker from there. No, she got put on a bass and mm. went right into I can't remember, but you know I'm digging you or Free or way probably the way. But again, none of that has anything to do. Uh, no, one, and, one, and, one, and, Grace has, but when she goes and I'm digging you, that's a whole other thing. But she does both so well, and few artists are able to. To, but to, to Scoop's point, we're talking about both of those kinds of moves. But to Scoop's point, we're talking about this one album. Bitter. That's all. Yeah, but and you, you, were you can't it from ignore the, the transition because Scoop is the one who raised the transition, raised the point about the transition between Peace Beyond Passion and Bitter. And if we're going to talk about that, and if if we're going to say it's jarring to the ears immediately or it's a shock to the system, fair enough. That's the A side. The B side of that is she's the most courageous artist in soul, funk, right. or R&B. Right. You know, and we're talking about, she's the closest to Prince in that respect. In terms of shedding her cocoon and flying away like a butterfly, you know, free like a bird, that's her name. It, she's the one doing it. She's the only one doing it. And she does it to yeah. a much more intense degree than even, say, Erica or any of the other would-be contenders. She does it more than Prince nowadays. What if you heard better? But you hadn't heard Peace Beyond Passion or Plantation Lullabies. It might be a totally different situation. Be a totally different experience. Totally different experience. But then if you heard Peace Beyond Passion after Bitter. That probably would have been my genius not that moment. They, not, not, that the, <laughs> not that the sequence was different. That I'm probably just saying. Been my genius moment. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have. I probably may have. You might it have may had different totally experience. I may have different experience. I'm going to say that's a genius moment. But I would have at least seen where she is in totality as an artist and not just a songwriter. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, but see, it's that, that's what cements the genius for me. Now, Mary, the I think that she was incredibly brave to make an album like My Life because she put it out there. Yeah, and and that's not the best thing to do um, um, for a female artist to put yourself out there, especially. But, 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 after to, what, but to what Isaac was saying, it was it was still crafted in something that was musically tangible to what she was doing prior to that. It wasn't a total diversion. Why is, that a con- why is that a criterion? It doesn't have to be, once again, if it works. 
But let's give Mary some credit, though, you know, like Arthur said, because and let's give Puffy a lot of credit, too, because yeah, we're doing he, it. they could have easily just done, you know, what's the 411 part two or the remix album again. Uh, but this was this album, the first two tracks, uh, the Mary Jane and the You Bring Me Joy were very reminiscent of what's the 411. Mm-hmm. But once you hit, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the, the only, only one, woman, yeah. you were in a whole different world, right. you know, and it's like that. I got to give them a, I got to give them a lot of credit. Now, Scoop, to your point, there is a there is a there's a thread there, you know, what I'm saying that you can go that maintains between two albums. But to Jay's point, I agree. I'm not mad at Michelle and I can't even remember my reaction, you know, to Bitter. I don't even know if I heard it when it was first released. But I'm not mad at her for completely going in the opposite direction. Um, that's not a criteria for me. But Mary did maintain a thread between, you know, uh, she, she did. It was it was a natural evolution. I I agree with that. And actually, to to back your point up, Isaac, here's one for you guys. Um, what's the four one one? Is to off the wall. What my life is to thriller, with Puffy and Chucky Thompson effectively as Quincy Jones. Totally agree. And Mary Blige mm-hmm. as Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. My life is Puffy's thriller moment. That's his thriller moment. Uh, yeah. That's his thriller moment. I don't know. That's, that's where they struck gold. That's where they struck magic. And they haven't... It, you, they it's needed each other to do it. They that's needed, the formula. They needed... Exactly. That's the alchemy. They needed those ingredients. No, I, I agree. Okay, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Did Mary do the do? Did Mary do um, the song with Method Man before or after my life? After, right? That's after, yeah. Yeah, it was after. But credit to again, credit to them. I don't believe there's no rappers on uh, my life. Keith there's Murray. not one guest appearance. No, Keith, Keith Murray. Murray. And that's an interlude, though. That's an interlude, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah interlude. It's really and it's in the background, like on a radio yeah. or something. Yeah. But yeah. Also, KC. He comes in for one background kind of, you know, bridge moment. Mary, Mary, I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. How much restraint? Because remember, this is Jodeci's top of the world at this point. The restraint and the respect for the song they showed everybody involved in this project showed by not having him sing a verse. He doesn't do wet. He's just perfect for that one lyric and that one bridge. I love that. The restraint that it shows, you know, for them to respect the craft like that. I just, you know, this album is landmark to me. And I agree with you guys. What happened afterwards, R&B tried to mimic that and it, to its detriment, I think, a lot. But this album in and of itself to me was the uh, the landmark kind of like quintessential moment for that type of song craft. It's interesting that Devante didn't produce any tracks. Yeah, I was looking at that. On my life. KC and uh, uh, Dalvin. Dalvin produced. Uh, Dalvin produced no one else. Right. Right. And wrote. And but yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. the thing is, is that you do have a Devante track, um, which features but, but, very heavily features Mary J. Blige as one of the great and Casey as one of the greatest slow jams of all time. Uh, Sisters feel of your lips.
Right, but that wasn't on whose project was that on? That wasn't on the Mary project. That was on Sister. Right, that's what I'm saying. So same, but '94 though, right? '94. Right, but I'm not surprised that Devontae didn't get in this because with with with, with Chucky and, and especially Puffy having the range, Mary's Puffy's artist. Yeah. He's not gonna let Devontae come in and step in. That's right. not gonna happen at all. She put out the album that nailed this type of hip hop emotion more so even than Forever My Lady did. You know, she yeah. oh yeah, totally. She, she totally. killed it. You know, and yeah, because the you, you believe, you know, with with Forever My Lady, um, the vast majority of Dire of Mad Band, these are great vocalists who are given sheet music and lyrics to sing, whereas Mary. She might not have even had lyrics in front of her. <laughs> it's right, her life. Right. So here, yeah, I'll throw this question out there just for the sake of this conversation and dealing with breakups. So if you go through a breakup. Bitter. Bitter, like I said, dark clouds are coming out. I, I agree, that but, but that's on. that's what to me and Arthur, I, I'm interested in your opinion here. That's what to me makes it a masterpiece beyond reproach. I agree with you 100%. I just my only point at the beginning was that I felt like uh, my life is a more uh holistic album in a relationship point of view. Okay, well, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree with yeah. you. Yeah, Matt Bitter is a masterpiece and it's it's you know, I'm going to be honest with you man, Fool of Me is a song that I really cannot listen to too often. Oh my god, like, what it's a beautiful so, song. It's so it's and that's the part that's the problem is that it's so beautiful. I want to listen to it. But that that song puts you in a mood. It puts me in a mood, yeah, you know. And it's so it's so devastating that that part where she gets to, you know. But when we're face to face and yeah. the multi voices yeah, come in, yeah, I'm yeah. like, it's it's you can't deny it. You know, it's undeniable. Bitter Bitter's the the healing album, whereas whereas my life is like the pain album. You want some other shit? Bro. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I, I don't know how you listen to that album and get healed. healed. I, I can see that. I can Arthur, see you're that. darker than I ever imagined. <laughs> I mean, they you see me clouds dark, coming in. I see clouds night. leaving. I see clouds. I clearing. You're the dark night. Arthur is like putting on bitter and you know closing blinds to get happy. Look, I man, you, you know you have you have songs like you have songs like loyalty, grace, loyalty, grace, sincerity. Um, what does the song Adam do for you? Adam, okay, I don't get Adam. And that's the in first the context. Song, that's the first song. But, that's your introduction. Like, what the hell is this? Right. <laughs> um, but Adam and the inclusion of the Hendrix cover, um, um, May This Be Love. May This Be Love is like color. What, great? <laughs> well, it's just color. I mean, just <laughs> color to the album because it's <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> The album was black and she threw a little gray in there. Exactly. <laughs> I don't see how you guys see black. I mean, when you have an album Dude. like Loyalty, we have songs like Loyalty. You Faithless? Have songs no like, one is faithful? Like Beautiful? No one is faithful. Beautiful? Hold on, no. No one is once faithful. Once you come I out and weak. say- Beautiful lyrics. It's so real. Once, it's so It is beautiful, honest. but once you come out and say no one is faithful, you can't have a happy relationship after. <laughs> it's like, no, because- No, no but, one no, is no, faithful. No. Isaac, Isaac, it's exactly the point you made about Mary. Because uh-huh. she's going through, it's a chronology almost. It's a, it's, it's okay, almost yeah, like so she's it's growing. almost like the seven steps of grief. Right, she's growing through the album. I get that. I'm just saying, from an atmospheric standpoint, dude, I don't know how you can listen to Bitter and get happy and be like uplifted. You know what I'm saying? I can see you respecting Michelle's it's evolution. A, I see it as an arc. And, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can arc. see you respecting her evolution, and I she I agree goes with in, you. you come out. I agree with you. It is an arc. But, uh, because I, 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 you know what? To quote your boy, my life is a cloudy day. That's all that's going on, man. No, no. 
No, <laughs> there's. I mean, dude, there are some. There's some very look. Uh, if, if if my life is a cloudy day, then bitter's a damn Katrina. Bitter's the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> bitter's a Katrina. Exactly. The apocalypse. Exactly. 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 <laughs> To, but you know what? I don't want to experience the Katrina or the apocalypse. But to 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 uh, quote your boy though, uh, when he said very on early early on in his career, um, you know, I'd rather, you know, not knowing where I'm going is better. This galaxy this galaxy is better, is better than, than not having a place, a place to, go. to go. That's why I said love. There is no resolution to love, so I don't need you to present a resolution to me. A proclamation like all I want is to be happy. That's I mean I thought it was beautiful. But okay, you know, apples and oranges. We, I think, at bottom line, we both. I mean, at this point, maybe not when they okay, first came out. Okay, all four of us love both of these albums. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. But I'm saying, okay. Oh, except for no. Scoop. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round table time. Round table time. Let's go. The goat slow jam, greatest of all time. Slow jam. This is impossible. Can I go first? Yes, you can. I'm after that. Married that bitter thing. I'm interested in hearing. Brothers between the sheets. I can't believe it. I thought he was gonna wow. say something dark and depressing. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can't argue. Wherever you are, whenever that song comes on, dead. Can we hold on? Back up real quick though. Can we make a? Is there to me? There's always been a delineation between slow song and slow jam. Well, slow song is a song that you just you can play anytime. It's a slow song. Slow jam, like between the sheets, is a slow jam. You ain't playing that unless you know it's. So there has to be there has to be some sensuality to it. There has to be some like Michael Jackson's Ben can't be the goat slow jam. No, <laughs> no, no. Unless you're Michael, no. right? And what you just said is exactly what I was thinking. The Isley Brothers. So he says sensuality. To me, their song "Sensuality" is oh, okay, one of the okay, greatest okay, all time. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I'll take that over. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you all day. I'm with you. Isley Brothers, Between the Sheets, recorded in 1983. Uh, it was actually written as a response to sexual healing. So the the background is that that makes perfect sense. Yeah, background to that is that three and three, the three younger brothers that came in 1972, 1973, Marvin Isley, Ernie Isley, Chris Jasper, were the production arm of the Isleys throughout the 70s and into the 80s. Isley's had not had a hit since 1979 and the older brothers had been going through some tax trouble and some money issues but meantime Isley Jasper Isley that actually recorded as a trio Caravan of Love is the most famous song uh, had been doing a lot of material for themselves for their own independent project Ronald Isley heard a few songs but Between the Sheets and essentially, Big Brother did. Like, look, we're going to do this for the Isleys. Right. We need a hit. That song, I don't think, would have been anywhere close to successful had you not had that Ronald Isley vocal on top of it. Ronald Isley is, to me, one of the most distinctive voices in R&B. Without question. Without question. like watching a bird take flight because you've got this grace that that he attacks every song with but it is attack he's got a strength behind it and 
he just knows he he just knows how to deliver on a quality 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 track one of the greatest ever it's hip hop yeah it's Benita remix it's Big Papa it's people generations know that song for very different reasons but I'm telling you man you know grocery store driving to work some dead it's over <laughs> what you mean by it's over it's over it's a wrap it's a wrap it's a wrap you just you into it you, you alone you, you oh, okay. into it you're not turning the station you're not turning the station you're not turning it off you're humming I thought you're he thinking about like whatever I, it's cool. I thought he meant like he was pulling over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's over make a left it's over I'm like like <laughs> let me ask you a question man that's hilarious could Barry White have done that and had the same effect no I don't think so okay I don't think so because Ronald, Ronald Ronald's Isley, voice is more nimble. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's that's it. He caresses the shit, shit out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that uh, that song is takes is very explicit. Yeah, you know, it is. Very but much it's so. explicit I've in always, a very poetic, beautiful yeah. way. In my mind, Barry always worked on the other end, just from a different from a baritone. But the, but the sensuality that could be put in that song, giving it to Barry. You know, I've always thought that Barry could have done the same thing, had the same impact. But if you all, it's, you know, it's, it's the recovery, that warm tenor that Ronald's got. It's actually the black version of sexual healing. You said the black version. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, it is. That's a uh, good point. Yeah, okay. it's, not the, it's not a pop song. Right. Yeah. Can you listen to Big Popper? Yeah. You got no problem listening yeah. to Big Popper? I got no problem listening to Big without, Popper. Without wanting to get it on? Without wanting <laughs> no, to turn without, left? Without, like, without like pull, they ruined without it or, or something? Right, he said... <laughs> Big Papa doesn't bastardize between no, the sheets for you, right? No, okay. right. no, it doesn't. But I think that's because sometimes, but, but that's an interesting that's an interesting point you make that there are some songs, you know, that sample certain songs, and you just not are supposed to touch them at all. And I, I get what Jahan was going with. Does that bastardize? You yeah, know, between and, the sheets for you could. And another interesting you thing, you honor it so much it, it, because of the Benita remix, right? I don't have a problem that Puffy did that for Biggie, right? Mm. Right. It's like I don't have a problem with it because it, it 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 you know if you if you respect the song you respect the sample it's gonna turn out right. Yeah. That song and that song has to be one of the most sampled you know in hip hop and it's probably left intact more than any other sample. It's immediately you know you hear it and you immediately know it. Payback, payback by James Brown too. They, yeah yeah yeah. They, very, they chopped it up but when they use it they use it. Yeah, yeah they right. use it. You know what I'm yeah. saying very very rarely do they just jack it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine I didn't have I and I should have made that. You know, difference or try to clarify that with y'all before because I just found a slow song. It wasn't a slow oh, jam. Go, go, go slow jam, whatever. You, you can yeah, stick so on the fly. You're a smart guy. My <laughs> <laughs> my favorite slow song, and let me throw it, make it even crazier. My favorite slow song of all time is not my favorite slow song of all time. Wait, 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 hang on. Why are you doing? Nah, I thought you were doing slow we're jam. We're not talking about favorite. We said goat. We your mind was the goat. Okay, yeah, the okay, yeah, and and. Jay, to answer the question you just asked, I didn't know that we were looking for a slow jam. That's why I oh, asked the question okay. in the beginning. Okay. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay, so yeah, my my GOAT slow song of all time is not my GOAT slow song of all time. So let me explain. I can't I can't really choose my favorite, you know, slow song of all time personally because I got so many I couldn't, you know, it's just it's too much. But I think the song that immediately when I saw this come across the email the song that jumped in my mind is is the reason I, I'll tell you the song in a minute. But the reason that it came to mind is that this is a song I heard as a child and before I was really into music, but I heard the song and immediately associated with something. Mm-hmm. You know how childhood memories are blurry and you kind of remember. So I don't even know where I heard the song first. I don't know the context, but this was a song that immediately when it comes on, it makes my mother happy. Mm-hmm. This song, I don't know if this is a song that, you know, 
my father played for her or this is a song that they like together i don't know but i know that whenever this song is on, comes on it just it means something to her and i was going to call her this week and ask her you know what was the context of this song but you know my father passed away a couple years ago i didn't want to revisit like, have her revisit a memory moves, that she may not be ready moves, to revisit right. And also because, again, it's a childhood memory, so there's some magic, you know what I'm saying, within childhood memories when you don't exactly remember it correctly. So, but the song is uh, The Commodore's uh, Three Times a Lady. Mm -hmm. Hmm. The song, when I did a little research behind it, is that Lionel wrote this song because of something his father told his mother. Um, You know, he expressed his love to her and it made Lionel think about something he wrote this song. That's that was an interesting context for me because of the context that it's in for me as, as, as far as my memory is concerned. But the reason I love this song or the reason, I, you know, I picked this song is because whenever I hear this song, it doesn't, you know, how you think of your parents as your parents, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's their, who they are in your life. You know, they're, they raised you, they're your parents. This song, when I hear it, it doesn't make me think about my mother and father as my mother and father. It makes me think about them as two people who met, fell in love and found a song that meant something to them. So this, you know, Three Times a Lady, which interestingly enough, starts out as a, um, a memory song. He starts talking about how you know our time has come to an end, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, you, you, you're the greatest one I ever met. Then the second verse, he's almost he's talking about how um, nothing could ever come between us. You know, we'll never be apart. So I don't know what that was about, but that song to me is magical. You know, what I'm saying, and not just because it's a beautiful song. You know, what I'm saying it's, it's it's all it's damn it's pretty much a perfect song, but mainly because of when I hear that song to this day. It makes me think of my parents as a couple. You know what I'm saying? As two people who were in love with each other. Um, and that to me is why it's, you know, it's the greatest of all time. My my personal, I don't know, but that song is the greatest of all time. Not mad at that. Like you can't nah. That's a that's a great context to put it in too. As far as slow jams, you know, that's a that's a list. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pick one. I mean, you know what though? I think one off day. The top, we, just off the top of your head. What we should do, I mean uh, off the top of my head, you can't get it in better than you can get it in when you put on the uh, scandalous sex suite. You know what I'm saying? From what is it, Jay? Three songs? Three songs. Three movements. Three, three movements. Yeah, which is a perfect way of putting it. Three movements. You know, that's like the that's crime, the passion, the rapture. <sighs> okay. That's it. It's okay. a rap. You know what I'm saying? In in the context of a slow jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been so many, man. That's I, that's one thing I love about black music. You know what I'm saying? I was it's about like. To say that. You don't get that type of um, sensuality from a lyrical standpoint and from a music standpoint. You don't get that from any other music, that music. level of sensuality other than black music. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, Jahan. No, no, you go ahead, Scoop. Mine? Mm-hmm. Okay. We might um, want to save uh, Scoops. His might get X-rated, so we might want to wow. do his last. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. Go ahead, dog. Wow. Um, to me, it's, it's kind of simple. It's not in the same, uh, have the depth of concept. Uh, content of what Isaac just said, but uh, uh, and since I'm older, <clears throat> you know, mine's gonna be a little further back, but it's uh, just my imagination about the temptations. Mm-hmm. Um, strictly because I think musically, I think it, it, I think it set a stage and, and changed the way slow songs were being done at the time. Um, a lot of it was doo y you know, they came in and did that. And, and, and if you listen to songs today, the way slow songs and slow jams are structured. That's kind of the foundation. But if you really think about what they were saying lyrically, to me, it's, it's, it's like the ultimate thing. Like, you are, you are so beautiful. You are so fine. You're, an, you know, you're just my imagination. I can never dream anything like that. So 
you know, even growing up, I've always used that as that. That's the standard bear for me. You know, for all of the slow songs, that's the standard bear because I've still, to, in my life, haven't heard anything to reach that level of what you want to say musically or lyrically in a record about somebody or something that you love. You know that it's it's. It's unimaginable. It's just an imagination. I, you know, like I don't even believe you. I don't even exactly. <laughs> I don't believe you exist. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's always it. But you got to understand, though. You know, and going to the slow jam thing. That's that's just a slow song. But not to like you. You said I was gonna go X-rated, but that's not necessarily true. <laughs> but I, I want. I want to. After, that's for the show that, that nobody's gonna hear. Right. But <laughs> when the question is goat, not favorite goat. You know, and I think there's always levels of subjectivity and, and, and personal influence that goes into when you make a decision like this, when you're trying to, you know, honor something as the greatest ever. For me, the greatest slow jam of all time is Miles Davis's Blue in Green. Mm. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. You know, it's, um, it's very advanced, firstly, a modal song. It goes through Dorian, uh, Mixolydian and Lydian modes. It's just, it's got the most kind of irregular timekeeping or time signature. I mean, it's, it's got this very uncommon 10 bar form. Very, 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 very intricate song. And I think the beauty of the melody and then the intricacy of the time signature, or at least the treatment that the quintet gives it, gives it that sensuality, gives it this kind of languid, slow, seductive treatment which is just is just undeniably sensual yet mm-hmm. delicate and beautiful at at the same time interesting point particularly is, how that particularly how that song ends i love how oh that song God. ends yeah, for sure mm-hmm. yeah it's one of the it's i mean to me it's the standout on that album kind of blue mm-hmm. which so many people claim is the greatest uh, jazz album of mm-hmm. all time um and it's it's really the far and away blowout standout on the album Miles Davis claims that he wrote it it's credited to Miles and it's in his autobiography he he says he wrote he wrote it but Bill Evans later said that Bill Evans wrote it and that Miles apparently offered him just $25 in royalties so he could claim it as his own if you listen to another Miles tune with Bill Evans alone together you can hear Bill play very very similarly on that but the most interesting thing to me about it and, and it's something that I just I can't really get my head around is when I close my eyes and, and think of that, I think of sensuality. I think of me and my woman together alone. Strange thing is, Miles says that when he played it and when the quintet were playing it, he says it reminded him, or it was supposed to conjure feelings of the back roads of Arkansas. God knows why or or how? Find out what he was doing on the back of his <laughs> I mean, right. real talk. Real talk. I, I I like that analogy though because it speaks to the fact that sensuality is not just contained to the physical or the corporeal being. It, it can be anything. Right. Nature. You know, true, so true. Right. So to true. Miles, not to say that he was putting a sexual context or connotation on the back roads of Arkansas, but maybe something. Even maybe he didn't articulate it, but may, there's maybe something sensual about those back roads. Right. So. Right. To him. Yeah. Hey, Jahan, let me ask you a question, man. So what do you sing to your girl when you're playing Blue and Green? What do I sing, sing to, to her? Yeah. See, one of the great things about slow jams is that when you're with somebody, you can repeat the words. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I'm trying to wonder, you know, because you try to put yourself in the mood, not that you can sing like, you know, somebody, but you try to, you know, you recreate that moment for, the, know, for I, the lady I, that I you're with. You I do that. So I'm trying to wonder I, with the I, instrumental, 
How hey, you, hey, John, how hey, John, you I got you. I got your back I, on this I, one, man. I, real it, love is real love is inaudible and inarticulate. Right, right. That that's a good that's a good response. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's, that's the right response. Real love, dude. They create other things, but not necessarily real love. That, <laughs> What's your response, Jeff? My response is probably somewhere between maybe I'll do a Bilal and scat out John Coltrane solo, <laughs> <laughs> or or more likely I'll be like. Wait, 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 wait. Listen to this part. Listen to this part. Stop, stop, stop moving. Stop moving. Stop, 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 girl. Look, you're not paying attention. <laughs> you're not listening. Listen, babe. I want to tell you things. I never know what to say. I never have the right thing to say. And this has been episode 24 of the Music Snobs podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. You can find us online at themusicsnobs.com. Our Twitter handle is Total Music Snobs. Our entire show library is streaming at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash, wait for it, The Music Snobs. And we will be updating our ongoing Flipboard magazine, our Total Music Snobs episode guide. You can find that on your Android or iOS or Windows phone device. Thanks again, everybody.